This is Umar Ahmed for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. With me is Mr. Jordan Gill and Dave Caldwell as well. I'll come to you first, Dave. How much of a step up is this uh, from Tanoka? It's, a, it's, a, it's the best fighter he's ever fought. Best fighter he's ever been in the ring with in a, in a contest. Um, all you have to do is to look at what Juarez has done, who he's fought, the levels he's fought. You know, and, and it's not just fighting these people that are at world level. It's the performance he's put up with them. Even in the fights that he's been beat, he's in there swinging, he's in there giving him a hard fight, landing good power shots. Um, it's, it's, it's the toughest fight of his career, without a doubt. So yes, it's a it's a big step up from Tanaka. See, Dave's saying that, you're a fighter. Well, we know fighters' mentalities when an opponent is put to them and if, if your manager, trainer's happy, etc., then I'm sure your first reaction was just, yeah, I'll take this fight. Yeah, um, I think there was two names that they sent. Um, Dave didn't even tell me, will you take this fight? Because he knows, he, like you said, fighters are fighters. And, and he, sent, he sent me these two names and uh, he said, these are the two names. I've said yes to both. I said, no problem. Um, so, yeah, this is the one that, that got made, the, the Mexican. And uh, it's going to be a good fight. Like you said, it is a step up from Sonoka. How much of Juarez have you seen? Obviously, notably the fact that he took an Indita Denea the distance, that says a lot about him. Yeah, but not only did he take him the distance, he gave him an absolute war. It was, it was hell for Ninito Denea. Um, I've seen little bits and bobs of him. Um, he's a good fighter. He's very tough. Um, his game, he, he loves the power shots. He likes playing on the pressure. He's a typical Mexican in that sense that he you know, leaves it all in the ring. His ring name is Corazon, which means heart. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that says it all about him. So I'm expecting a tough fight, but it's a fight that I look forward to. And the rewards are, are great. Dave, you made it no secret how much of a developing fighter Jordan has been and how impressed you've been in terms of he's like a sponge, how quickly he developed. So from the last time I spoke to you about that, probably like in the first lockdown, summer-wise, from then till now, how much has Jordan come on? That's what's astounding for me. It's the Bellotti fight was it was a great boxing display and he was very, very good in that fight. But then lockdown came and then from lockdown onwards, first lockdown onwards, he's just developed, developed, developed. And he's added so much more to his game. He's the thing for me I think is his mentality seems to have changed and so the weight off the shoulders has gone. It's allowed him to just just express himself and I think that's the main thing that I've said to you in, in, in the ring is just express yourself because he's got all this talent he's got all this ability and like some some fighters other sports whatever people have this talent have this ability but they don't allow it to come out and so it's, there's a bit of restriction on them so you never see the best of them and now I'm consistently in ev literally every spa seeing what this kid can do and it's he's a great great talent he's really genuinely a great talent I just want now you guys to see what I see in the gym day in, day out. If we do see the best of him Saturday night and he dazzles and gets through Juarez, what kind of a 2021 do you expect for, for Jordan? I'll come to you next. Um, I'm just looking at Saturday. I'll talk to you about what, what comes next after Saturday. This is boxing. This is, it, it's, not, it's not a gimme fight. You know? the, the guys that are beating him are top, top quality fighters. Jordan's not boxed at that level yet. He's got the ability. He's got. He's got the talent. He just has to go out there and do it. But I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to talk about what comes after, because this is a real fight. It's not a warm-up fight or anything. You know, this is the whole situation. The way I look at the pandemic is that, and I've said this before, is if we're only getting X amount of fights a year now compared to what we are, 
what is the worth of him boxing at the same level as what he's boxing now? He has to take the leap. Do you take a little leap or do you take a big leap? I've said all along that I need to get him into like fringe world level fights mm. straight away. That's what I need to do. Instead of staying at domestic level, get him into a because he's got this talent. I need him to, to test himself. He's 26, nearly 27. I want him to test himself and I want to get the best out of his, his, his talent. So he needs those fringe world level fights. This is the, that, that category fight. You know, he wins this, then he's in that, you know, get, get a ranking and then you look at the fights after that. But concentrate on, on performing and, and doing what he's been doing consistently in the, in the gym on fight night. So are you ready to show us on Saturday night what Dave's been seeing in the gym? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm uh, looking forward to the fight. Like I said, I just want to win and win at all costs is what I'll do. And uh, if I show what I can do, then I think it'll be an insane fight. But I think I'll look very, very good. Yeah, we know uh, you're a bit of a slickster, got all the skills kind of to pay the bills. But do you think at times you might have to go through a, a bit of a war on Saturday? Listen, this is boxing. Um, if you go out in the rain, you're going to get wet. And there's very rare that you go into a title fight and you don't get hit. So this is a title fight, this is a championship distance and I'm fighting a guy that, you know, okay, he's had nine defeats, but look at who he's boxed. He lost his dog's bow. He's boxed uh, Angelo Leo for a world title eliminator. Leo won the world title in his, in his next fight. Iwasa, uh, Nonito Donaire, uh, Castro, all these guys are top ten, if not, you know, elite world champions. Um, so... It's going to be it's going to be interesting to to see how I deal with the challenge that's um, in front of me, because you know, Warriors is going to look to impose himself from the start, and uh, we're going to see the levels now. So if I deal with him very very well, then I'm at the level that they are. Um, I believe that I'll deal with him uh, in a better fashion than Angel Leo, um, and he won a world title in his next fight. So we're there there or thereabouts after Saturday. So you'll see. I think that answers my question, what I said to Dave, if you do come through Saturday, what it entails for you, because you just said what level that would put you at. So, listen, best of luck on Saturday night. Uh, tune in to Sky Sports to see, hopefully, a Jordan Gill masterclass. Is there anything you'd like to buy before we go? No, I'm just uh, happy to be out of the house. I'm, I'm, I'm glad, to be, glad to be out. I got the call a couple of weeks ago. Do you want to fight this guy? Yeah, no problem. I put my shoes and socks on. Got my... Hang on. Got my slippers. <laughs> Fenland sheepskin. And uh, we're ready to, to, to do the business. So I'm happy to be out the ass. I'm happy to be fighting. During a pandemic, a lot of boxers aren't. But, you know, this is my second fight behind closed doors and it's a title fight. So can't thank this man enough. Can't thank Matchroom enough to put me on. And uh, let's go and do the business. And like I said, when I do win, we'll be there or thereabouts. And uh, big fights are going to come. Well, you seem in a good place. Uh, leave the final words to you, Dad. No, I just want to echo what Jordan says. And I think he's a... Is a great role model for the fighters that are out there that are struggling to get motivated and you know you keep seeing tweets of Freddie and other promoters saying stay ready be ready you have to be ready you have to live it and he's lived it through Christmas through New Year's no dates just staying focused trusting what I'm saying listen I'll get you out I'll get you out I'll get you out staying focused seeing you know hope you get a date Every, we know what's happening with the role next he's still sat in the gym training giving everything but not knowing when he's going to fight be ready for the phone call and that's that goes to everybody that's out there it's, it's it's tough times right now it's tough times for boxers at all levels but you've got to be ready you've got to live it i think as well to be to be ready at championship distance uh, championship weight uh, for championship fights against world level opponents and i think it shows my dedication to the sport and um hopefully i get their respect
Jordan and Dave, thank you very much for talking to us and best of luck on Saturday night. All right, thank you. Andrew McCart, IFL TV in association with MTK Global. As always, I'm delighted to be joined by Dirty Derry Matthews. Derry, how's things, bud? All good, mate. Everything's good so far. Um, I'm up here today in Bolton. Well, look, I arrived yesterday to do help Dominic Vaughan to Sean McCollum's corner for the Commonwealth title. I built that. I won myself at lightweight. And it's good to be helping you know the team, as in Danny's, Danny's not here, so I'm going to help Dominic to the corner and, and hopefully see Sean do a masterclass and perform and become a champion Talk to me about that fight then obviously tough fight for Sean first fight at lightweight coming down from super lightweight um, against a tough opponent in Gavin Gwynn just talk to me about this fight itself I think Sean you know listen uh, when I first set eyes on Sean I said to Danny I think he's got everything to be a world champion I mean I'm no expert but his skills pay bills and he's outstanding he's got everything what a fighter needs size skill punch a bit as well public nuisance as well people love him and that's what it's about and I think tonight I think everyone will get to see the real Sean McComb and you know he's, he's, again he's got a good opponent but the better the opponent I think the better Sean will be um, and as I keep saying he's got skills what, what people dream about having and I think he's got everything you know he's got a good team around him he, from, the, from what I've heard of Dominic he's done everything right in camp he's been spot on in the gym and I'm looking forward, you know, to seeing him showcase his skills. Let's jump into to to your fighter, Jazza Dickens. Big news for for Jazz, obviously winning the golden contract, but uh, he's got his world title shot against Kid Galahad. Now they have met before. I think it was I think it was eight years ago for the British title, but now Jazz is a different fighter. Kid's a different fighter. I mean, your thoughts on that fight? Listen, it's a gay fight. It's a tough fight, but it's a one. It's one more more confidence of winning. Jazz is confident of winning. Um, it's a fight that Jazz wanted. He, he said it for, for the last 18 months. He wants to fight Galahad. We've done loads of rounds sparring. Again, it, I keep saying it, it's most probably one of the best best featherweight fights out there around. It's, it's, it's superb for the fans. It's superb for us. It's, it's great for, for Galahad. It was brilliant at MTK when the purse bids. And, you know, we're looking forward to it. And I'm over the moon. I'm over the moon for Jazza. But it's just about being disciplined now and, and getting the, getting the job done, getting into camp on Monday, starting camp, and going from there. Obviously, Jazz has got his world, world title shot. So how how is Jazz approaching this fight? I know he, he has. There was a good fight against Kid Galad. Some people had him winning rounds and stuff. But obviously, the fitness levels of Jazza, you could see him arguably failed him in, in that fight a little bit. But now, how are you approaching this fight with Jazza? I just think he's a different he's a different fighter. He's matured. Over the years, um, he'd have learned from the mistakes. I think he was bouncing everywhere in the first fight. Um, just, just little things, what, what he's had to tweak. But again, Jazz is a true professional. Jazz knows what, he, what he's got to do to win. And Jazz will go to the well to win. Um, he knows that mistakes might have been made in the first fight. 
obviously he was with a different different corner team, different different setup, and now he's, he's come to George and myself. And we're gonna, you know, we've tweaked a few things, and hopefully oh God, we, we build it on, and, and we go from there. And sure, um, you just ruined the interview now. And then from there, <laughs> Lee and does this every interview. So don't worry about that. He just wants the limelight. He thinks he it's does. all about him. It's the Lee Eaton show. Um, <laughs> but now we'll go back to the Galahad and the Galahad and, and the Jazza fight. Jazza, you know, he made he made a little few mistakes. I thought he won. I watched it again. I keep watching and watching over it. He won a lot of the rounds in the fight, but seems to get tired. His legs seem to get tired, but we'll address that. Um, he's got a great nutritionist on board. He was out from day one. Carl Carl Evans from Liverpool John Moores University, and you know things are good. Things are good. Um, fingers crossed, everything goes well. Obviously, you didn't manage to win. Of the four major world title fights, I believe you had an IBO or something along them lines, was it? Or I had the, the, the WBA interim, which is now classed yeah. as the regular world. So if you're a regular world champion, what you are now, you're a, you're an interim world champion. Then um, I had that, but there's no been no Liverpool coach who's won a world title. Is that right? That's right. Um, you know, the two Smith brothers were with Joe Gallagher. Bellew was with Caldwell. Um, so there's Bellew with Caldwell, the two Smith brothers. But with Joe Gallagher and then it'd be ja- Jazza. Who else? Would be anyone else? Not really. Oh no, Conti and Hawkinson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, so we'll go with Conti and Hawkinson. Went with a scouts trainer. The two Smith brothers were with Joe Gallagher and Belly was with um, Dave Caldwell. So there's been no Liverpool. A little bit of history there for you, Danny. For George, not yeah. for me. For George, um, George the head coach. He'll always be the head coach for me, even. When he retires, he'll still be the head coach. That's the way. That's the way we are. It's for George. Um, he'll be eighty-three years of age. Well, eighty-two, I think. Eighty-two, eighty-three years of age. We're a world champion. Fairy tale doesn't get better than that at all, mate. But um, obviously, you're fighting for the IBF world title, which is Josh Warrington's old belt. He vacated that belt now. Obviously, I'm guessing you watched that fight last weekend with with, with Josh. Now, it seems these Mexicans, man, they love to cause an upset. It seems that we got the, a massive upset last week. And what's your thoughts on uh, Josh Warrington? on that fight last weekend? I felt sorry for him. If, if I'm honest, he'd give a world title up. It's a, meant, meant to be a, a pushover for a, for a bigger fight and it never happened. And You can only feel sorry for him. He's a, I'm, I've been a fighter. I've been in that position. Um, fingers crossed he can come back. You know, he's, he's a good kid. He's got a, his dad's a cracking fella. And, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter and, and social media giving him stick. Come on. He's a, he's a fighter. Look who he's beat previous. Frampton. Selby, Galahad, he beat three world-class fighters. <laughs> he was due an easy fight, but it never worked out to be easy. So you know, let's hope he can come back a better, a better man. I, I think he will. I just think things might have changed in, in his camp. Maybe I, I heard that he was getting doing a lot of strength and conditioning. You know, maybe he's got to address things in there. But you know, fingers crossed. I like Joshua Pearson. I like I like his dad as well, and I hope he can come back. I, I, I agree. Um, obviously, I won't keep you much longer, but I want to get your thoughts on the, the fight tomorrow night with Josh Kelly and David Avanishia. Now, it's a fight that we've been waiting for best part of two years, I think. It's been postponed four four times, but we've finally got it on tomorrow night. What's your thoughts on that? Again, for me, I always say skills pay bills. I just think he's I think he's, I think he's very, very good. I think he's very, very special. Josh Kelly is, by the way, um, and I can't see him missing the target. I just, I just cannot see, and I, I don't think Adam Bird will put him in the fight if he didn't think he'd win. It's going to be a bit like Sean's mm-hmm. tonight, and I think it's going to be the same, same sort of fight. I think you know, uh, David's going to go at him as much as he can, and, and 
and Josh is just going to come off in all angles and hit him that much. And I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to stick it out there that I think Josh Kelly stops him. I honestly, I think not not by power or I just think you're, oh, it's him that much. It's him, it's him too much, um, and stops him. Stops him about eight to ten rounds. One final word on on Jazza and Kid Galahad, the world title fight, and obviously the fans that we we're, we're looking forward to it. But one final word on that fight itself. I think it's a great fight. Um, I'm, one thing I'm, I'm glad to be a part of, um, a small part. The main part, Jazza. Jazza. It's all about Jazza now. It's all about him getting the focus, getting you know the team around him, doing everything right, ticking every box. Sparring partners got to be important. His running's got to be important, his conditioning, and his, most of all, his boxing work's got to be important. And he's a two champion. He's a he's a he's an honest saying. He does everything spot on. He doesn't need telling twice. So it's going to be an easy camp, if you know what I mean. It's going to be an easy camp. When I say easy, it's going to be hard camp, but easy for the coach because everything you want him to do, he does anyway. Perfect. Uh, well, Derry, good luck tonight with 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 Sean uh, fighting for your old belt, the Commonwealth lightweight title. Uh, good luck with that, and thanks for this fight for TV, mate. No worries, and sorry for leaving, ruining the interview. He does it all the time, mate. Don't worry about it. Cheers, Derry. He wants the limelight, that's all. That's it. He wants to be famous. <laughs> Cheers, Derry. This is Matt from Behind the Gloves in association with Eschjam Boxing. I'm delighted to be joined by Master Knowledge, Spencer Fearon. Spencer, thanks for joining us. I appreciate those it. boogers, man. I'm feeling your boogers. What are they? Yeah, Christian Dior, man. yeah? You are? Yeah, man. I've got some yeah. swagger, huh? No, no, listen, you're getting overpaid. I'm going to have to word with Michelle Joy Phelps saying, listen, since you've got this hook up with this Eschjam thing, you're paying out too much money. You guys coming in with, with. Nah, I don't like that, man. What size are they? What size are they? Nines. Nines, that's my size. I'm taking them. <laughs> for a good price, you can have them. No, I'll just take them for you. There's nothing you can do. We'll discuss that later. <laughs> right, let's talk about tonight. MTK fight night. Never disappoints. A lot of 50 50 fights on, unless this main event, Sean McComb versus Gavin Gwynn. Bit of a toe to toe war for a bit. Blood and guts, and Gavin Gwynn has forced the stoppage. Talk us through how you saw the fight. You know what? I ain't gonna be. Uh, it looked like it looked like he just succumbed to the barrage of punches, and on the rules, I kind of thought something like this was gonna happen because how seasoned Gavin Gwynn is. He's a very seasoned campaigner, and unfortunately, we're judging Gavin Gwynn on his losses, and we're not looking at his fantastic wins of his career. Just his work rate, he's a nuisance. He's, 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 a, he's a nuisance to fight, right? He's, he's very, oh, the way like he, he, he taps downstairs and comes over the top as well. I just, I just, seriously, I just, 
watching him, I would hate to have a fight that had to fight someone like him. He's just a nuisance. If you can't really punch to put him in his place, you're gonna be in trouble. You're gonna be in for a long night. But you know what? I'm gonna say with um, Sean McComb, he can come back from this. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's still young. He's, he's 27, but he's a young 27. His body's not totally matured neither. He's got a lot of skill, showed a lot of heart in there in times where he seemed like he was down. He just bite down his gum, showed a fright combinations. So you know, it is what it is. He, um, but yeah, that was a very good fight, and I was really impressed with uh, with um, Antwi, Samuel Antwi, um, his fight against Tetley. Yep. I felt sorry about the stoppage, so I'm gonna be real. I was gonna ask you about that. Did you think that fight should have been allowed to go a little bit longer? Yeah, it, it should have been, but I still think it got stopped around later, right? But you know, I'd rather it be cut too early than too late. Right, so as much as I could say, oh man, right, but they were hurtful, fudding shots. And once um, Antwi, Samuel Antwi learns slight fundamentals and not look so awkward, he's going to be a handful, because he's a handful right now. Them body shots were absolutely ripping him, and I was wincing watching it from the balcony, but it was an incredibly good win. One, just want to touch on another star of this show, particularly tonight, Paddy Donovan. Um, this this kid looks like a superstar at such a young age. I spoke to Andy Lee earlier, he thinks he'll go all the way to the top. Do you like what you see with him, and how far do you think he'll go? I think he'll go very far as long as he stays grounded and gets the right fights. Right, I do see mistakes in him though, right? Yeah. Like, sometimes he backs up from his high pole position, his chin's up in the air. I'm saying, bruv, you get somebody who can dummy a shot and come over the overhand right, you're gonna be in trouble. Or somebody who can dummy a shot and come over the left hook, you could be in trouble. But, regardless of that, he's very comfortable. For a young guy, you see how he fights, he'll do things, but he's comfortable in doing it. He's not rushed. He's got a patience to him as well. He's got very, very good timing, and he throws shots effortlessly. So because he's got all of that package, He's going to do things, man. Seriously. And listen, Bob, Bob Aaron's been in the game a long time. Bob Aaron's not going to say, oh, okay, let's bring this Irish kid on for the sake of just bringing him on. No, he must see something inside of this guy or certain things that he must have done in the gym for Bob Aaron to have got wind of to say, yeah, we're going to sign this guy up. He's got a fantastic deal with ESPN. He signed to MTK Global as well. There's, 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 the, stars, the sky is the limit for him. Yeah, it looks to be a bright future for Paddy Donovan, that's for sure. T tomorrow night, big main event. It's been put back, put back, put back. Josh Kelly versus David Avenesian for the European title. What do you see in this fight? Where do you think the advantages are? Josh Kelly looks big on the scales yesterday. For me, he looks big and strong. Um, David Avenesian's coach has said he's going to be on him like a rash. He's going to be there with him all night. Listen, listen, listen. All this is going to be on him like a rash. But they're, they're looking to try and break to try and break the heart of Josh Kelly. Avenician is a good fighter, you can't knock him, but he's been noted as a good fighter because he beat an old Shane Mosley. Do you know what I mean? Shane, Shane Mosley was, was so old in that fight, it wasn't Sugar Shane Mosley anymore. You know what I mean? He was Sugar Dust Mosley, right? I'm just gonna be real. So, I can't take, you can't, right? But Avenician is tough, but what I've noticed is like, guys who are up north, we're working with Abenisian. Abenisian is going to spar with certain guys. Of course, he's going to bash up those kind of guys. But even though Josh Kelly is not a Londoner, but now he's around London people. Josh Kelly's always had swag. Now he's going to have more swag because he's around London guys. Um, so no, I, I don't. I don't. I can't see Abenisian being a guy to beat Josh Kelly. I understand someone with applied pressure. If he could get, he'll break his heart. No, because. Uh, um, 
I seen when he lost to what was it me machine when he lost to me machine mm-hmm. and he got stopped in that fight and I'm looking at Abenisi and I'm saying look, for all he does very good things yeah. don't move his head that's Josh Kelly's the wrong guy to not have head movement against because you know you're going to get triple and quadruple left hooks at you you're going to get fast jabs at you and you're going to get movement and I think he's the wrong style for um, for Josh Kelly I think Josh Kelly's going to look absolutely fantastic after getting roughed up for about three or four rounds and I think he's going to find his own and then he's going to take over Brilliant. One final fight I want to get your thought, thoughts on before you go. Potential fight because we're still waiting for the outcome of Canelo Yildrim. But assuming Canelo beats Yildrim, he's going to be going Billy up against right, Billy Joe. Billy Joe has the right style to beat Canelo. Whether he can administer it, I don't know. But he has the right style. And even more so, you're looking on um, Mexican fighters. Mexican fighters historically, right? come under the stereotype of the guys that they do not actually handle speed. Reason why? Because they like to they understand the science of fighting, right? And the technicalities of fighting. Now, if we go back, the greatest Mexican ever to do it, who would you say that is? I don't know. My, my favorite Mexican was Marquez. Okay, but well, the greatest Mexican ever to do it is Julio Cesar Chavez. Yeah, that I'm was the greatest. Personal, right, he, I said, who is sorry. the greatest? Not your personal. Sorry. Who is the greatest? You got me there. You got, you got me there. He is the greatest. Right, he's the greatest. He fought Merjik Taylor. Uh, was it the 17th of March 1990 in that fight Merger Taylor had him up reason why because Merger Taylor had movement and he had speed and Chavez couldn't negate that even though he was busting him up but he couldn't negate that speed Billy Joe was very very fast and not only that he's got better footwork than Michael Jackson can he get a fair result against Canelo if it goes the distance on points yes, he can. You know what I mean? Because much of us saying, oh, well, boxing is, is everyone's trying to say it's how corrupt it is and that. I believe that he could still get a fair shake if he was to comprehensively outplay um, Canelo. And I think he, if you, look at, if you look at Canelo, Canelo don't handle southpaws too well. And he doesn't handle sneaky, fast southpaws. We've seen it against Izzelanje Lara, and we saw it against Austin Trout. Two, they, they were debatable wins. For, right, they, right, right, they were debatable wins. Right. Billy Joe is as tricky, but I believe more ambitious than both of those guys because he's a traveler. So Billy Joe could end up getting a sneaky points win over Canelo. But you'd have to favor Canelo to win. Let's just be real, because it's Canelo. But Canelo needs to set himself. Um, His legs ain't what they used to be. So you never know. And maybe that's why he's, he's, he's he's just building up even more cash fighting Yudrin, right? Because that's... Do you know I mean? Come on, man. Right? You beat Yuldrin, right? So, it's cool. I don't know how this works. No, you could, you could, you could. I'll tell you, we cut that down. I don't worry, man. Give you some laxatives, take your running, you'll be all right, man. So, that, that's how I see it anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? People may disagree, or, but that's how I see it. Brilliant. Well, Spence Fearon, thanks for giving me some of your time today. I appreciate your thoughts. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we, thanks. We got top rank ESPN Plus, because that was a pleasure for me to. I've been getting loads of texts in from guys from America, tweets in from guys from America watching the show. Keep on supporting the thing. MTK Global. It's a, it's a great time for boxing, because boxing is back. It's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, make sure you do so by clicking this icon right here or else. Joe from Seconds Out, please. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah I can hear. Good, thank you. All good. Hello. All right.
how does it feel to be finally in the fight week of your first professional fight? It must have been, must be excited, a long time coming. Yeah, it's really exciting. I've been I've been waiting a long time since August. I've been training with Mark Tibbs and turned professional back in August, September time. I've had a lot to learn. I've still got lots to learn, but it's it's fantastic to have this opportunity on such a big platform. And obviously, like you were saying, you've been training for this since last August now. How frustrating has it been the last few months? And and is that going to translate to you having a lot of fights this year? You think? Yeah, it's not it's not frustrating because I've been learning all the time. I've been had some great opportunities sparring people like Joe Joyce, Huey Fury, uh, been in camp with Billy Joe Saunders in Fuerteventura. Ventura. So I've had some great opportunities. So if anything, it's helped me because it's given me more time to learn and more time to gel with my trainer. And obviously, as you're making your professional debut, for the people who haven't come across you before, how would you describe yourself? How do you think you're going to perform in the ring against uh, Matt Gordon on Saturday night? I've got I've got naturally aggressive instincts when it comes to boxing, but um, what I'm trying to show is a bit of control and a bit of finesse and a bit of the refinement that uh, Joe, that uh, Mark Tibbs and Stephen Andrews have been working on with me. I know I've got a long way to go, and I don't know if I'm going to get the knockout or when it will come. But obviously, if it if it uh, pre presents itself. I'll go for it. And how good has it been for you uh, to be with S Jam Boxing, obviously with the management team? How much has that propelled your career, even though it hasn't started that? How do you feel like you've almost got a, a head start in a way? Yeah, it's been brilliant. Sam Jones and Adam Morley of S Jam Boxing and Joe Joyce really as well has been instrumental in getting me to this to this great platform at the minute. So I've got to give all the credit to them. They've got me uh, signed with Matchroom Boxing as well. I've put a lot of hard work in, but without them guys, um, I wouldn't be where I am. Brilliant. Are you are you travelling to Wembley in the next few days? And it doesn't look like you're at the hotel at the moment. No, I'm oh, travelling okay. tomorrow. So I'm I'm booked in for my test at ten o'clock in the morning. So Sam Jones and my my trainer Steve. So I'm ready to go. Have you had a test before? Yeah, I've had one when I was in Fuerteventura um, oh, okay. up the nose. So that wasn't <laughs> the most pleasant experience. Well, I hope you enjoy the whole fight week. And uh, yeah, hopefully speak to you soon, mate. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Hey, Johnny. How's it going, mate? Hello, mate. It's all good. How are you? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Um, about a year ago, I think, you were at uni, doing your last year. You went yeah. to Las Vegas, met Sam Jones, and now you're making your pro debut. It's all coming around pretty quickly, despite a pandemic. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting and it's unexpected, but I've worked hard and you, when the harder you work, I think the luckier you get. And I've been I've been lucky, but I've worked very hard at the same time. And when you say that to me, it still seems like a bit of a dream, but I'm just going with it and seeing how far I can go. It's become sort of a much-anticipated debut. Um, you know, we've seen on social media you working out with um, Joe Joyce, Fabio Wardley, Mark Tibbs. Do you feel like a lot of people are wanting to see how you're going to perform on Saturday night? That's a good thing. Yeah, there's lots of, I can tell there's lots of eyes on me already. Uh, for my local community and people on social media but listen I've never I've never made no bones about where I am I'm the young kid who's been given a good chance I know I've got a bit of potential I've got and I've got athleticism but I've got to now put it all into practice and this is what it's all about when you're a professional boxer you've got to do it on the biggest stage I guess you can spar everyone you like but until you have that pro debut you show you know what you're about you know we can't really take too much do you agree no, I, I completely agree. Sparring is only sparring. It's great to get experience and it does help you in the long run. But at the end of the day, you can spar as much as you want. You've got to get in there and learn on the job. For me, especially, I've got to learn on the job and get them fights in. Um, you're taking on Matt Gordon um, for your pro debut. It's no easy guy to take on. We saw him give David Adelaide a few good rounds. Um, 
yeah, talk to us about why you've decided to take him on and what you're expecting from him. Yeah, definitely. It was decided by Sam Jones, my manager, and Eddie Hearn. And I know Matt Gordon's a strong, durable man, and he's, he's been in with some good guys. So I've got to take it very seriously, and I've taken it extremely seriously. I've been training non-stop since August anyway. And he's a southpaw as well. And I've got the privilege of sparring Joe Joyce as a southpaw, which was good. And it's going to set me up well with what I've got to do. And it's not going to be an easy task. So I'm not taking anything anything like that. Um, just for those that haven't seen your style, what, what are we to expect? I think the clue's in the nickname, but... Yeah, well, that was from, from my earliest days when I was sparring Joe and when I was an amateur, I was a very aggressive style, but I've still got that aggression in me. But I've got great boxing skills as well and I've got to showcase that on Saturday. And it will be a bit more control, controlled, hopefully a bit more refined. But when I see an opening, I'll take it. Um, just lastly, um, has there ever been uh, another heavyweight from Romford? Is that, are you the first guy? Do you know of any others? No, I know some great sports sportsmen and women from this from this area. I know Ray Parlow, obviously, the Arsenal legend, and Steve Davis, the world champion snooker player. But can't think of any champion heavyweight, not champion, just any boxers in general, heavyweights who have come from Romford. Got some good names in this area. Kevin Mitchell's another one I see him regularly. So there's a good a good crop of sports people around this area, but I don't know about heavyweight. Great stuff, Johnny. Um, best of luck for Saturday night. Looking forward to seeing it. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Jonathan. Go over to Ames, please. Ames here from Boxing News TV. Pleasure to meet you, Johnny. How's life treating you? Yeah, all good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Look, um, you're a young guy. You've doing this. You've been doing the sparring circuit. I'd just like to get your opinion on which of the spars, uh, particularly, do you feel that you've done have kind of really brought you on the most? I think the very the very first first professional I sparred was when I was a second year at university and I wasn't really training that, that much at, point, at that point. I was playing rugby, so I didn't do much boxing at that point. It was Dave Allen before the Lucas Brown fight and I'd done six rounds on the bounce with Dave and he was tough, he was physical and he was in the prime of his of his fitness and I really learned a lot from that. And to go down there as a young kid, 19, 18, 19 years old and do that, I was proud of myself. So I think that was, that was one of the main ones and I still speak to Dave Allen a lot now and he, he always offers me good advice. Has he given you specifically like making your debut advice or has anyone given you that? Yeah, so Niall Kennedy actually um, who fought Alan Babbage recently and um, he's, he's a seasoned pro, he's, he's experienced and he, he often gives me good advice and he said, listen, you've got to just, if you can, just switch off when you're in there and when you're fighting, don't try and lay into your punches too much or follow through too much. You, you've got the power to stand there, hold your feet and the combinations will, will, will tell. Um, so he gives me good advice all the time. And Joe Joyce, obviously, always in my ear and giving me giving me support. So I've got I'm very lucky in that sense. How about Peter Fury? I know you obviously sparred Huey. He's been obviously with Huey yep. with with Tyson. What's his What's his thoughts about you and uh, you know what what you can do? Yeah, Peter obviously only seen me, saw me a little bit. I sparred uh, Huey and Cash. Have done well up there. Really great, grateful for the opportunity. And my my manager speaks to Peter quite a lot, Sam Jones, and he said, yeah, he's got great potential. He's got good power, and I've got a good work ethic and he gave me some sound advice as well. What a legend of a man Peter Fury is and it was a great honour to uh, go and train up there with them. You went to Exeter Uni, I believe. You're a smart guy. Has what you've learned during your time at uni helped you so far in the boxing world? Yeah, I think in general, just my academics and the way I, I, I applied myself to that, I think I've got, it shows I've got a dedication and a discipline about me and I think I can carry that whether it's playing rugby or, or, or getting a degree. A lot of this stuff in boxing, you've got to do yourself. A lot of the time, you've got to be self-motivated. I know a lot of people go to university and they, 
they, they can you can really easily fall into a comfort zone and that's something I didn't want to do because I always applied myself in into sort of pressure situations where I play rugby box at the same time and try and get a, de a degree so I'm used to pressure I'm used to uh, working to time limits and I think it's helped me in the long run for this little initial part of my career and I've got a long way to go but it's, it's been good. Yeah, I mean, you're going to make your debut. It's behind closed doors, so no fans there. But in a way, is this sort of ideal? Because you don't have to sell tickets. You don't have to take any time out in doing that. You don't have to do any real self-promotion. You're just kind of on the bill. So is it a good time, in your opinion, to make your debut? I think it's good for me in other ways as well, because of the fact there aren't any fans there. It will feel a little... I don't know if it will feel relaxed, but there's no pressure of, of the crowd behind you urging you on for a knockout. I know there will have a lot of people watching, but it allows me to gel with my trainers a little bit more be a bit more calm and composed, hopefully, and um, I can let my boxing do the talking. And uh, you're obviously training with Mark Tibbs. Um, Daniel Edouard said to be joining, uh, it's not official yet, but he's said to be joining um, the gym as well. How much of a boost will it be if uh, Daniel Dubois comes along and uh, joins the gym as well? Oh, that'd be fantastic for all of us in the gym, especially me, like, there's, a, there's a heavyweight who's obviously levels above me at the minute, someone I can learn off. He fought my good friend Joe and I always spoke highly of Daniel saying he's got great power he just lacks a bit of experience and listen he's, he's still in that mix and if he's still hungry which he seems he'll be fantastic if he can be added to the stable it's not confirmed yet obviously but mm -hmm. it's only going to be beneficial for me and for him as well we can learn off each other just take me back i saw a picture of you a very old picture i believe it was you it's a small child you're in a boxing robe how much has boxing um really kind of been in your life since an early age Oh, it's been, it's, it's a massive part. It's as soon as, as early as I can remember, I've always, always been involved in boxing. My first uh, gym was Onga ABC. I think I was five or six when I had my first gym show. So I've always, always been involved in it, with, uh, no matter what sort of part I'm at in my life, whether I was doing my A-levels or university or rugby. And my granddad was a big part of it as well, taking me to every, every, uh, every session on a weekday in the gym. So it's always been there from as early as I can remember. And I think finally, I just wanted to ask you, look, you've, you've got a lot of people who are supporting you, like uh, Jonathan was saying, a lot of people kind of shouting you out, um, giving you quite a bit of the hype, and none more so than Tyson Fury at the, the top yeah. of the sport. He's really excited to see you. Um, you know, when, when you get the support, any extra pressure here? Of course, I've got, I've, I know I'm, I'm sort of blocking it out a little bit, not blocking it out, but I'm putting it to the back of my mind. But I know I'm going to have a lot of eyes on me. I don't think there's been uh, another debutant at this sort of stage. There's, very few debutants get this much attention and I'm, I'm really lucky and grateful. It's a good thing. I'd rather have it than not have it. Mm. But at the same time, I know I can't let that step in the way. I've got a lot of people watching me, but I've got to stick to what I've, I've got to do. And I'm not got a tough test on Saturday. I know that because uh, Matt Gordon's a tough man and he, he comes to win as well. He doesn't just roll over. So I've got a tough, tough job on my hands. <laughs>
David Avenesian probably felt like he was the favourite going into the fight, but there's something about Josh Kelly looking into his eyes, listening to Adam Booth, seeing the training, seeing the shape he's in, knowing the weight that he's on right now that makes me think he's a favourite in the fight. And I just, I feel like Josh is the kind of guy that can do special things at special times. And that's what makes a start. And if he can go in and do a job and knock Avenesian out, he becomes a star on Saturday night. And, you know, sometimes you get a fighter that people talk about in the gyms, in the amateur code, this kid's unbelievable, we can do everything. And they never quite go on to do it in the pro game. Frankie Gavin, probably the greatest example of that. Maybe Josh Kelly's one of those guys, but we find out on Saturday, and I don't think he is. Um, but it's remarkable, you know, I was saying to some of the guys that this is almost, this is career defining for Josh Kelly because he's only in this sport to fight at the elite level. You know, he believes he's gonna win the World Welterweight Championship. And defeat against Avinesian, quite frankly, would disgust him in his mindset. You know, that's where he believes his level is at. We're sitting here now talking about it's a 50-50. He, he doesn't see that. But things can unfold real quick in there, as we saw last Saturday night. And Avinesian is a guy, you can't but, but not like him. You know, or you can't but like him, one of those. <laughs> and um, he's just... He, he's a proper fighter, you know, he's a proud man, he's a strong man, he's a brave man. He has ability too, he's not, you know, people talk about this is a style of two styles, if you like, or a tale of two styles. One guy that comes forward, he's relentless, and the other guy that's a, a boxer mover. They can both switch it up. I think Josh Kelly is going to stand and fight Avenesia more than people think in this fight. Mm. I think he feels like he's the bigger, stronger man. Not sure if that's the case would be dangerous. But the problem is, if you fight off the back foot continuously, we saw it with Zelfa Barrett last week, you're going to be under fire constantly in the fight. And that doesn't always look good, you know? So, as much as people are going to keep eagle eyes on the scorecards this week across all the fights, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how those styles clash. Not to discredit David Avenesian, but you, boxing is a business for you, and you've put a lot of time and money into Josh Kelly. And one thing that twigged with me with what Adam Booth said is, he hasn't delivered yet on the big stage and nobody knows how good he is because he hasn't done it. With that in mind, you don't, I've heard you talk about it with fighters before, we don't want to waste time and money on someone that we don't think is going to do it. Does Josh Kelly have something to prove to you and Matchroom that actually he can be the flag bearer, the poster boy for the, that generation of Olympians that are just starting to get towards that level, the Buatsis and the Fowlers and mm. stuff like that? Josh Kelly. Does he have a little bit of a point to prove to you guys? Do you know what? I don't think it's ever about proving a point to us. You know, this sport's difficult enough to worry about impressing me or Matchroom. But of course, you're right, boxing is a business and we're always looking for that new star. You look at someone like Josh Kelly, I mean, he looks like he should be in a, you know, James Bond film or a Hollywood film sitting at the bar with a white tuxedo on. The kid looks different gravy, doesn't he? But ultimately, if you can fight as well, we know we've got a star. We have an obligation and a duty to bring fighters through in the right way. It's not about just throwing them in and finding out quickly if our investment was worthwhile. It's about giving the opportunity to grow inside and out the ring, giving them the experience, boxing them all over the world, giving them the platform, you know, using our team to make sure we turn them into a star outside of the ring as well. But at some point, that acid test comes. And I love it when the acid test comes because you are quite right. The money's been spent, the job's been done. Now, it's over to you, my friend. 
And you can prove now if you're going to be a headline act, if you could go on and be a pay-per-view fighter, if you could go on and be a world champion. And of course, you know, of that crew out of the Rio Olympic team, they're all coming up to those crunch moments. I mean, Lawrence Acoli has faced several crunch moments, but he fights for the world title in a couple of weeks. You know, Anthony Fowler looking to rematch Scott Fitzgerald. He suffered a defeat. Joe Caldina back from injury looking to fight for a world championship this year. You know, there's a lot of great fighters coming out of there. Boatsy, I think, is, you know, one of the best talents in world boxing. So, but this fight is probably the first time that there's been a, a, a real 50-50 crunch test for an Olympian, you know. And I know that Fowler lost to, to Fitzgerald, but this is a different kind of fight. This is a European championship that really feels like a world championship eliminator. And these are the kind of fights that you need to emerge as a star. We did a Zoom with Josh Kelly during the lockdown and he did like a tick list. He said, David Avenison's getting ticked. And he said, Josh Kelly, the, uh, Josh Kelly, Conor Ben is the next fight. Mm. Um, can that fight happen? Uh, and, and when and where if Josh Kelly comes through it? Well, I think timing is everything. And, you know, fans hate to talk about timing. And I don't even like to talk about marination. I think it's a word that's bad for the sport. But it's about barbecues, that fight's it? getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And really, you've got two crunch tests coming up for those guys. This one for Josh Kelly on Saturday. And then April 10th for Conor Ben against Sammy Vargas. If both guys win in style, that fight is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Josh Kelly doesn't want to wait for that fight, nor does Conor Ben. I do want to wait for the world to return to normal. I think that sells out the O2. I think it's a massive fight for British boxing. It's a great fight. And victories for both men will make that fight bigger and bigger to a point where, you know, again, that's a fight where both guys, and again, I, talking about money sometimes worse than talking about marination, but we are in the, you know, you saw Josh Warrington last week. You saw how brutal this sport is. For a fight like that, I want to make sure that I give the fighters what they deserve. And we're on the verge, off the back of these potential two victories, of, of having a really special fight for British boxing. Two British welterweights in the ring, you know, and wouldn't it be great if it was for, you know, obviously for a world title, but something, you know, to move towards a world title, whether that's a final eliminator or whatever it is. And it's unusual to get those great British fights or even world fights with two young, unbeaten lions. You know, you see it in the lightweight division at the moment, Tiafimo and Devin Haney, Javante Davis and Ryan Garcia. Get them in with each other. Yeah, don't yeah. miss the opportunity. Exactly, because we see great fights, don't we? I mean, Fury against AJ is a fight between two guys at their absolute prime, right? You see with Mayweather Pacquiao or other fights, and that's what I hate about Crawford and Spence. Don't let it wait. These are two guys, they're in their prime now. Let's see it. And I think... Ben and Kelly, you know, that's a fight you could see one, two, three times. Yeah, Calm Brook is one that you could say. Well, I know you're going to say never say never, but um, 2030 they might hmm. decide. But um, Florian Marku, just with the two names that you mentioned there, Ben, Kelly, they're at a certain level. Florian Marku thinks he's close to that level hmm. or he's in that level. Can you add him into that mix if he beats Ryland Charlton? I think so. I mean, no disrespect to Ryland Charlton, but you know, these are two guys that are looking to break out to that next level. Um, I think that his performance against Jamie Stewart was incredibly flat. How that fight was a draw, I will never know, but it's done and dusted. He's got to make an impression, but you know, I put out on social media a little poll. I think Ryan Charlton's a favourite going into this fight, you know, and he's quite inexperienced as well. That's going to be two guys that are going to lose their shizzle on Saturday night, um, and I think it could just end up being an absolute war. Because Ryan Charlton, you know, he came out against Joe Laws and battered him. He I'm not saying he doesn't know what he's doing, but 
this is this is mad for him. Co-main event on a show like this at Wembley. I believe he only fights one way. If he comes out in the middle of the ring and starts having a tear up with Florian Marku, this is going to be madness. But these are the kind of fights where you talk about. It's not just about the level you win at. It's it's the profile of the fight and the excitement for the fight. So the winner of this fight is rightfully calling Josh Kelly and Conor Ben. And also, don't forget Chris Congo against Mickinson as well. Brilliant domestic fight upcoming on the Dillian White card. So the, the, the division's looking fantastic, especially domestic, domestically. Johnny Fisher, he's got a great position, great platform here, but it is difficult because when a heavyweight turns over, it is just slightly different. We treat him differently. We all get overexcited. Mm. Is he the next great hope? Uh, he seems to have got a very level head on his shoulders, but um, can you move him as quickly as Sam Jones is talking? Uh, it must be quite difficult just to try well, and keep everyone's feet on yeah. the ground with this. I think Sam Jones reminds me of me about 10 years ago. You know, he's, he's got so much enthusiasm for the game. And as far as he's concerned, every one of his clients is Muhammad Ali. Um, he's got two great heavyweights. Obviously, we know he's got Joe Joyce as well, but two great young heavyweights in Solomon Dakers and Johnny Fisher. Solomon making his debut on March 20th. But Solomon's a guy that's boxed on the GB squad all around the world. Johnny Fisher is a young, raw heavyweight with bundles of ability and heart and chin, but massive, massively inexperienced. And Johnny's smart. You know, Johnny's not going, yeah, I'm going to move fast. Johnny's got to move nice and slow. The problem with the heavyweight game is even though Matt Gordon, by his own admission, has turned into a little bit of a journeyman, if you like, everyone's dangerous. Mm. I mean, he still lets his hands go. They can all whack. And it's like, you know, you just got to take it nice and slow with Johnny Fisher. The sparring he's been getting and the, what he's been showing in the gym is that we have a really good young prospect from Britain on the British heavyweight scene. And he's from Romford. I mean, that's my neck of the woods. So I love him already. <laughs> my old man loves him already. And you know this guy's got loads of fans in Essex. He's been down at Exeter University. He's got loads of fans. You can't, you can't do anything but love Johnny Fisher. But this is a very forgiving sport and love really don't come into it. But I do believe he has bundles of ability. He's very strong, very heavy-handed, tough, and he's got a tra great trainer in Mark Tibbs. So let's start the journey on Saturday night. Um, AJ called Josh Warrington, which I thought was a real mark yeah, of was, class. Yeah. Uh, and there are parallels with AJ's situation. Have you spoke to either of them about what was discussed? I know we've seen the post, and I know you helped be the middleman to put them together, mm -hmm. but do you know what they spoke about? Uh, I don't, actually. I think they're both very, two very deep thinkers, and Josh has been struggling, Josh Warrington, since the defeat, to come to terms with what happened. You know, and there are parallels between um, the defeat against uh, Lara and the defeat against Andy Reid. Of course, Andy Reid was a world-ranked, world-class heavyweight, but Lara was, you know, that was almost a bigger shock. And I think that, you know, Josh has been struggling the last few days, and I thought it was a great touch from AJ to, to reach out to him and speak to him. And I think boxing, the community is a very special place. You know, no one, everyone's got egos and everyone says things in interviews, but ultimately, you know, people like to help each other in, in this sport particularly fighters and teams. And I said to Josh Warrington, you know, um, that I would, you know, he, he said, maybe I could chat to AJ and he could give me his thoughts. And I said, yeah, and I phoned AJ and he phoned him straight away and they had a great FaceTime. And then Josh phoned me after and said, I feel like I could run 10 miles now. I can't wait for the rematch. So I think you got hurt, you know, it's got to hurt and it's hurting Josh Warrington really bad, but it has to. Because when you bounce back from this, you have to have that desire, that, that thought process and that remembrance of what happened 
and how horrible it felt, how you were crying in your room, how you couldn't sleep at night. And I remember going to AJ's um, house, apartment he was staying at in New York after the Rees fire, and I knew how much he was hurting. You know, and it took him weeks, months, and we all know what a colourful character he is, and he's so positive, and that was there on the outside. Yeah, you know, it was, I'm gutted, but I'll be back. And, but deep down, it was burning him so bad because he's a winner, and Josh Warrington's a winner. And there's no shame in feeling the pain. There's no shame in crying when you get beat, when you want something so bad. But if Josh Warrington was sitting there this week saying, oh, well, you know, I've had a good run and whew, it's a tough game and don't really want to do that again, I would say to him, you need to walk away from the sport. But when you're at home, you know, trying to put on a brave face with your family, but crying on the outside and on the inside, what that shows you is the fire still burns bright. And I saw that from AJ after the Ruiz feet. I saw that against Lara. You know, people say, was it the right fight for them? You know, we're not in this game to manoeuvre and navigate people in easy fights. We have an obligation to you guys and to the fans to, to produce thrilling nights, and we knew that would be an exciting fight. But, you know, when Andy Ruiz beat AJ, people said, was that the right fight for AJ? Well, guess what? He went away, prepared properly, and Andy Ruiz didn't win one single round against Andy Ruiz, against AJ in a rematch. And that's what Josh has got to do. It's incredibly dangerous to go back in that rematch. And it's a huge fight, a huge fight. But this time he'll do it in front of fans. And already the preparation begins. The fire burns bright to avenge that defeat. Probably in front of more people, certainly live and, and around the world. But it's a, it's a lonely, dark place. And it's a lonely, dark sport. And when you lose like that in front of a global audience, it's tough to take. But you brush yourself down, you come again. That's what winners do. Last one is Deontay Wilder has started to do more and more interviews now after a period of, of, of not speaking. Um, he says that he still wants to fight AJ. Can that fight happen down the line or is there part of you that feels like that you want to say, well, you had your chance no, and get to the back of the yeah, queue? I, I, I don't like that attitude. I mean, I probably liked that attitude a few years ago when I was like Sam Jones. Um, <laughs> because you are bullish and you're brat, you know, and it's like, yeah, no, no, but actually... That doesn't do anyone any favours. If it's the right fight for AJ, um, not stylistically, but if it's the right commercial fight, you know, I would never sit there and say, no, Wilder, you miss it. Listen, Deontay Wilder knows he turned down the deal of a lifetime to fight Anthony Joshua. But he made his, he made his bed and, and respect to him. And you know, I want to see him back in the ring. All we're focusing on is the Tyson Fury fight. And anything else happens in 2022 because those two fights will, will, will be our plan for 2021. So. For me, I would like to see Dillian White fight Deontay Wilder, but he has to deal with Povetkin. And you know, we keep talking about, don't we? Last week we're talking about Warrington fighting Kanzu and Gary Russell, and this week we're talking about Josh Kelly fighting Conor Ben. You know, the cards come down very quickly when you take your eye off the ball. So focus on the now, focus on the reality. And Deontay Wilder, I'm sure he'll be in big fights, but for us, we know our plans for 2021.